Welcome to Storytime with Paul Doerr. This season of the podcast includes excerpts via live shows and in-studio recordings from my new book, I'm Leaving It, and other stories. Some of the stories are true and some are not. I'll let you figure it out. But they all hopefully have my trademark charm, wit, and profound wisdom. Purchase your copy of the entire book in paperback, ebook, or audiobook form at all major online booksellers. I also write a monthly newsletter that is both fun and insightful. To subscribe to the newsletter or for further information about the book, please visit pauldor.com. Today's story, The Heist. That went on for a while, this self-medicating. I wasn't getting flat-out drunk every night, but it was becoming a consistent activity. I'd be fine during the day, then passing a beer store I'd think, I'm stressed, tomorrow I'll stop. But this can only go on for so long before you have to make a choice. My life can continue on this trajectory for... Well, ever. Something has to give. This is a plateau because the level of alcohol consumption in sedentary living was becoming such an integral part of my lifestyle that there was very little room to move, either forwards or backwards. Or I could try and change. Yes, people are trying to change all the time. I hesitate to use the word evolve, but that's the ideal thing, right? Don't we want to get better as people? I'm too busy oppressing myself. The voice spewed hatred and violence all focused solely on one person, me. The voice screamed and shouted and let me know how much of an idiot I was at any given time, in any situation. Have you ever been exhausted with yourself? Emotionally, my soul felt like it was slowly getting sucked out of me. I was drowning very slowly, and the voice laughed at my inability to swim. I wanted to choose to get better, but my resolve to even get started was eroding daily. In very little time, my sense of self might be gone forever. Alarm bells should have been going off, but when you are pushing yourself down, you're holding your own head down under the water, disabling your own ability to breathe, complete shutdown and apathy become normalized. Everything becomes too hard. Eating right? I didn't know how to cook and didn't have the energy to figure out how. Exercise? As a former competitive athlete, I knew that it took a while to get back into shape. The period where you were getting into shape could be difficult and seem like it was taking forever. I had a few starts and stops over the last few years. The figure I remembered was for every one week of sitting around, you were putting yourself three weeks behind. So basically, I was years behind. Just thinking about it made me less motivated. When I started writing this book, I knew I wanted to reserve the last part for this story about the voice and self-medicating. 
Of course, I avoided it for a while and put it off for as long as possible, mainly because I hate these kinds of stories. No, I don't hate them. I like them when they're honest. The stories around these subjects usually revolved around some type of lightning bolt moment where everything changes for that person. Does that actually happen? Maybe it happens to other people. Maybe they are honest with their stories. But my point is we have the tendency to tie these things up into a neat narrative. My father died, and that's when I knew I had to stop drinking, etc. Sure, I had moments like these, but really, when my dad was dying, I was kind of focused on him dying. I'm a selfish person, but not that selfish. Let's take other people out of it. This isn't about them. For me, it was a series of incremental moments. I'm a bit loath to admit that it was a self-help book that made me make the decision that led to other choices. Suffice to say, I'm not too impressed with self-help books most of the time. This author was a vegan triathlete, and I heard him on a podcast. He talked about being a former competitive swimmer turned successful lawyer slash alcoholic. After he recovered, he went on to change his diet and started racing in triathlons. You probably see where this is going. The book was pretty much the usual recovery narrative, but then at the end, there was an appendix that outlined how the author changed his diet. Where he was different from others was that he explained that it was not as difficult as you might think. My diet consisted of a lot of meat. I tried one other time a while back to go vegetarian and did it very poorly. Changing my entire diet was a drastic mistake, and my body, probably going through some kind of withdrawal, totally crashed out after only a few days. This time, I wanted it to stick, and so just started with that simple idea, it's not as difficult as you think. I did need to make a lot of changes in my life. What I needed was time. I needed to reboot my system. So, essentially, I started from scratch, removed myself from most commitments, and began by making one decision at a time. The first place I wanted to start with was what I put into my body. The first decision I made was simple. For the next week, I wouldn't eat any beef. A week went by, and I didn't put many thoughts towards consuming beef in any way. After a few weeks with no beef, I made the decision to not eat any pork. This seemed to lead naturally into not eating any chicken. From there, I became much more conscious and aware of what I was eating, even started buying cookbooks and making my own food. After a certain amount of time, it just seemed integrated into my routine, and I didn't have to think about it. My clarity, focus, and energy all went through the roof, and I thought, who knew that what you put into your body was so important? I am the king of obvious statements. Something else I hate about self-help books or recovery stories is the tendency to think the way you improved your life is what everyone should be doing. Bullshit. I'm much better with other people's stories when they let me choose how to engage with them. You never know what little piece of information will be a catalyst for change. What I'm outlining is a way that I've gotten better, and there's still lots of work to do. As my diet got better, I focused on my body, worked through those first few weeks of pain, of moving my body, stretching parts that hadn't been stretched in years. It was like there was scar tissue covering every joint in my body, and I had to break it all apart to move freely again. I approached this with the same mentality as the diet, one step at a time. 
I just set out wanting to do a few things each week, pushing myself a little further each time. My body returned to normal faster than anticipated. My mind was an entirely different matter. During most of that downward spiral year, I spent it writing a different manuscript than this one, entirely fictional. It was about a man who suffers a psychotic break, recovers in a hospital, escapes from the hospital, and tries to build a new life halfway across the world. Of course, his old habits creep up on him and are more challenging to get away from than he had thought. There is a lot of dialogue between the main character and an internal voice that mocks and oppresses him. He can't get away from it, even at that place, halfway across the world. Wherever you go, there you are. I desperately wanted to write about this idea of an internal negative voice. Still, that fictional novel never got at what I wanted it to be. Why was I scared to write about this directly? Because I'd have to admit certain things in my life that no one knows about. Secrets. The voice didn't one day stop talking or go away. The voice is still there. Talking right now, in fact. Just as a check-in, it's saying, This part of the story really sucks. No one will read it. I mean, who wants to read about your idiotic perspectives on health and well-being? Dumbass. The more you use the internet, the more it learns about you. And in turn, it curates and presents the world that makes sense to your preferences. The more I'm learning about the voice, the more I'm learning how to control and curate what it says about me. Listen to it. Be aware of it. But also understand that it is me talking, so there is a way to navigate around it. The voice is a bully. The more you push back against a bully, the harder they return the blows. You can outsmart a bully because chances are they are not that intelligent. I hate bullies and have been dealing with them my entire life. Most of the time they win. But how can I lose against this one in my head? The way I learned to deal with the bully in my head was I made it feel safe. Made it felt like it was winning. That was all it really wanted was to win. If you made it feel like it was winning, then it might back off enough to provide you with some breathing room. Then you might not have a lot of time, but you might have just enough. The heist started with the microbes. I learned about microbes when looking into patterns of behavior through the lens of neuroscience. Millions of microbes cover our body, and similar to how the internet uses algorithms to determine our preferences, we teach our microbes what kind of food we crave. I like this concept, but at the same time found it depressing. How can we change if these millions of microbes had predetermined our wants and desires? But wait, we can retrain the microbes to want and desire completely different things. So, with each part of my diet that I changed and each time I exercised, I focused on those microbes and pushed them to want something else, to desire all that was good for me. I did this under the radar of the voice, very quietly and incrementally, one microbe at a time. The microbes took a while. There was one shot at the heist, I was stealing back my mind from the voice, stealing it back while it still had some value to it. As I got better, there were some days where the voice came on strong, beating me down, making sure I didn't get too big of an ego with all my pretentious dieting and exercise. I let it talk. Idiot, who do you think you are with your kale and quinoa? Keep talking, I thought. 
I pretended that I was just doing a yoga class, yoga being something I returned to in my effort to exercise more. My plan was to use the 45-minute class as a distraction that the voice could focus on. As I progressed through the yoga class, the voice was on a bit of a tear, doing a running commentary the entire time. Meanwhile, I snuck into the building of my mind through a basement vent. After popping the vent screen, I set my watch alarm to 45 minutes, the length of the yoga class. Pushed the up button for the elevator. The elevators were grounded as the voice had disengaged all electronic devices in the building until this particular yoga tirade was over. Bursting through the door to the stairwell, I had to climb 40 stories in short order. Good thing I had gotten myself back into shape. Otherwise, I don't know how I would have made it up those flights. I opened the door to the penthouse very quickly because I knew that the voice had protected the area with heat and vision sensors. The floor was dark and only had emergency lighting. I crawled under and stepped over all the lasers that would trigger the alarm. When I reached the other side, I came to a keypad and fingerprint scanner. I guessed the easiest number I could think of. Bullies are not very smart, remember? And placed my hand on the scanner. Of course, it matched my fingers because technically this all happened inside my head. As the giant air-sealed door opened, sitting in a glass case in the middle of the empty room was my mind. The alarm on my watch went off, indicating I had mere minutes before the voice realized someone had snuck around all its defenses. I only had one choice. I pushed over the glass case holding my mind, smashing it to the ground. Before I had time to pick it up, a shrieking alarm echoed against the walls. The large door started shutting, aiming to seal anyone who dared enter inside. I grabbed my mind and ran towards the door, slipping through right before it slammed shut. No longer caring about the heat and light sensors, I ran right through all the lasers, setting off more alarms, triggering a cloud of gas that was released through the vents. I took a breath of air into my lungs and lunged out of the room into the stairwell. When I started running down the stairs, the stairs flipped over, creating a smooth, slide-like contraption all the way down the 40 floors. At first, I thought this was an easy way back down to the basement until I realized there was probably one more trap at the bottom. As my momentum grew and I went faster and faster down, I could see the bottom. The floor had turned into a giant trap door. The speed was simply too great, and there was nothing to hold on to. No railing, nothing. I slipped off the slide and into the blackness, still grasping my mind in my right hand. As I fell through the darkness, I slowed down and wondered where this was going to lead. It was as though the darkness went on forever, and I couldn't make out where I would ever land. Finally, I realized what I needed to do. I took my mind, which I was still holding on to, and shoved it into my ear. At this moment, I was thrusted back into my apartment where I finished up my yoga class. I stopped what I was doing, and I listened for the voice. It was still faint, still there as a presence, but it was dull. There wasn't such a thrust behind it. Ever since then, it was like the volume has been turned down, taking away some power, restoring that power back to me. I have never been diagnosed with depression or with any other form of mental illness. I don't claim to compare my experiences with those that are more severe and serious. 
But how can we get into a war of who has a more serious disease? What does this achieve? This was difficult and painful for me. This is an ongoing battle. At times I'm winning, and most of the time I'm losing. Slowly, over time, I'm winning more and more. None of the things that I've written about in the last four acts are to blame in this narrowly missed downfall. The point of all this was to recognize that with a few incremental movements, we can really slip into another place that is not easy to return from. In the same way, we can get out of these terrible situations in the same incremental way. What I don't want to say is that by doing these things, I got better, and now you can too. Bullshit. The point is, we're all alone in this, in the end. That's not me being cynical or reactionary. Yes, we can get help. Yes, we can read other people's stories. Something fundamental has to change internally to allow us to make structural changes. After almost a full vegetarian year, I went back to eating meat. I still drink alcohol. I have a much better understanding of how to control these things and what could happen if they got out of control. I don't regard this as a failure. I'm trying to be easier on myself. In my situation, my problems were small. Minute experiences that led me to hate myself and never want to admit that I didn't need to hate myself. Isn't that a bizarre statement to make about yourself? I think about how I have treated my mind, it getting scrambled in that car crash, torturing it through self-medication, abusing it with inactivity. My mind is how I make a living. It's the most appealing thing about me. Why would I not be better to it? How could I be better to it? Maybe my dad was right. Maybe I could be a better person. You have to start somewhere, and it's a series of small, incremental movements to something better. I know above I said we're all alone, but in a way, there are lots of us out there, all of us silently broken in ways we cannot express or are afraid of expressing. We have a shared connection, and perhaps some of us are lucky enough to speak from the darkness, break the silence, pat hands on shoulders, and get a little better each day. It's examining all of the millions of microbes in my body, looking at each one and trying to change and form them into something new. A new person, a new body, a new personality. Someone who is both the exact same person, while at the same time becoming an entirely new entity. The same, but different. Me, but not me. You, but not you. A better person. Thank you for listening. Again, if you'd like to purchase a copy of I'm Leaving It or any of my other books, they are available at most online booksellers. The live performances were originally performed and recorded at the monthly storytelling event, Stories We Don't Tell. To learn more about Stories We Don't Tell, head over to storieswedonttell.org. For everything else, please visit halldoor.com.